Well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. Come on now, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? You got to make a little bit of noise, I'm telling you. Goodness gracious, look at the person sitting beside us. I'm glad you're here today. Come on, online, look at somebody sitting beside us. I'm glad you're watching today, right? And then let's just stop for a moment at both of our locations. Can we get up for our worship team? Don't they do an amazing job every week? Man, I tell you, I was like... I don't know if I want to preach. Y'all just keep singing, man. This is good stuff, right? I'm telling you, this is what the Lord has really blessed us. Have great, phenomenal worship leaders here to lead us in worship. And uh, we pray that the Bible says that the, the praises of God's people would inhabit his throne and they would inhabit the praises and that he would just uh, be a sweet aroma to him. All right, come on, get your Bibles. Go with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're in this series called I Am, the seven I Am statements that Jesus made through the book of John. This past week, we finished up Sukkot. Uh, I talked about that last week. Jews all over the world today, or all over the world last week, excuse me, uh, would go and they would build these huts or these tents uh, outside of Jerusalem and maybe wherever they're located, and they would go eat. Some people would stay all night in them, but it was to remind them how God provided and took care of them for 40 years in the wilderness while they were homeless going to the promised land. One, John chapter eight, we talked about this as recap last week. In John chapter eight, the Feast of Tabernacles are taking place. There's huts all over Israel, all over Jerusalem, and Jesus makes his way down to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days. And remember, at night, they would light the candle. The candle was represent the fire at night that provided and protected the Israelites in the wilderness. Jesus stands before all of the people, and he says, I am the light of the world. The fire you saw in the cloud, that was me. The voice that Moses heard in the bush, that was me. I am the light of the world. And it's on that, right off the hills, we pick up with John chapter nine. Now, a lot of times people will ask me, you know, why do bad things happen? I don't know. I honestly don't know. There's a lot of questions I get all the time, like, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why did so-and-so have to pass away? Why, you know, did this have to happen to this, this little child? All these things come, and I honestly don't know. But I do know in this passage, right here in John chapter 9, there's a purpose and a reason why this little boy, this little baby, uh, was born blind, and he'd been blind his entire life. Well, the Jewish mindset was that God foresees your future, he sees your sins, he knew you would be a sinner, a wicked sinner, and therefore he cursed you at birth. So this little boy was not allowed into, as he grew up, was allowed in the synagogue, wasn't allowed into church, into the temple, because they would see him as a sinner because he was born blind. Something was wrong with him, therefore either you sinned or God saw your parents sin and therefore the child was born blind. Now we know that's not the case, we know that that's not true, but there's a reason for that. And so in this context and this reason, we see that God wants to show uh, his compassion. He wants to show an opportunity to do work, it says. He wants to prove his power to the people around him. And so Jesus, right off of John chapter 8, says, I'm the light of the world, comes across this man who was born blind. He makes some mud pies. Come on now, y'all remember that, right? Mud pies. And he makes some mud pies. He puts it on the guy's eyes. Now, I don't know why he did that. He could have done it any way he wanted. He could have spoke it and he could have healed the man. But he touched the man's eyes with these mud pies, put it on his eyes, and he says, now go to the pool of Siloam. Go to the pool and rent your eyes. And so someone help him get down to the pool. He gets down to the pool and takes the water, washes off the mud off his eyes, finally get it off, and for the first time in his life, he can see. 
everyone's rejoicing, everyone's going crazy. How can this be possible? The blind men's because I can't believe this. I never seen colors before in my life. I never saw people that I know now in my life. And at that time, if you're healed, they take you to the Pharisees or the priests and people to show you these miraculous signs so that you could watch this, go back into the temple, go back into the synagogue, and you begin to worship your God. Well, they bring him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were ticked off. They were upset. First of all, they were mad because Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. He says, this man is not from God. He works on the Sabbath. Another reason he goes, they get upset is because the guy begins to preach at them. He says, listen, this guy who healed me, well, who healed you? I don't know who he was. Well, what's his name? I don't know exactly what's going on in his life. Is he a prophet? Is he a sinner? And he goes, I don't know if Jesus is a sinner or not, but here's what I do know. I was once blind, but now I can see. That's all I know. I don't know. And for, just, just let me have a moment here just for a second. So many people come up to me and said, I don't know how to share my testimony. I don't know how to share my faith with my family members, with the coworkers, with my boss, with my coach, my roommate, my classmate, my fraternity brother, sorority. So I don't know how to share my faith. Here's what you tell them. I was once blind and now I see. I was once lost and now have been found. I don't know everything there is about the Bible. I know everything there is about theology. I know everything there is about God, but I do know this. I was once this person and God has changed my life. You can say that and you can share that point. So this guy, he's, that's what he does. I don't know him, but I do know this. I was once blind, but now I can see. And so they question him again. In John chapter nine, verse 17, the Pharisees looked at him again to this man. He questioned him again. And, and he said, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? And he begins to share his opinion about him, prophet, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees, I, I can't hear this anymore. Go get his parents. Let's make sure this is not a scam. Let's make sure nobody's like uh, fraudulently claiming this to be true. Go get his parents. So they get his parents. The parents come and they stand before the Pharisees. And the Pharisees look at him and says, this your son. Now, the parents are scared to death. And rightfully so, because however they answer this question is going to determine whether the Pharisees kicked them out of the synagogue. Well, if I'm kicked out of the synagogue, I can't go to church, can't worship, all this stuff. So the parents say, although we know this is our son, yes, he was born blind, and now he says he sees. He is old enough to answer on his own, talk to him. And the parents took a step back. So they look back at the son. They look back at him and says, tell us once more what's going on. And he says, listen to me. You say this guy's not from God, and you know this, that God doesn't hear sinners. If this man is a sinner, and he prays to God the Father, and God the Father opens up my eyes to see, how can you call him a sinner if God answers his prayer and he does this miraculous signs? Well, oh my goodness, like he is preaching at the Pharisees, and the Pharisees cannot stand it. In fact, look what happens in John 9, verse 34. You were born a total sinner. Why? because you were born blind. That was their thought. That was the theology they thought. You were born a total sinner, and are you trying to preach to us, teach us? You think you know more than us? You think you know the Bible better than us? And look what happens. Because they had the power, they threw him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him out of the synagogue. So he's been out his whole life. He now gets a chance to come back to church, and all of a sudden he's kicked right back out because the Pharisees saw themselves as the gatekeeper to righteousness. They're the gatekeepers to righteousness. So Jesus hears about this. Jesus hears about the guy who was healed and went to the Pharisees and the Pharisees kicked him out of the, of the family of God, the, the sheep pen, the, 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 the family of Israel. They kicked him out. You're no longer part, excommunicated. So Jesus goes and he finds him. And listen to what Jesus says to this guy, John 9 verse 39. 
Jesus told him, I entered into this world to render judgment. Now, what is Jesus saying here? I've got, I'm the one who judges. I'm the one who knows who's a total sinner or not. I'm the one who gets to say who's in the family of God or who's not. He goes, I've rendered judgment to give sight to the blind, which I just did, and to show those who think they see, but they really are blind. Some of the Pharisees, verse 40, were standing nearby, heard him and asked, are you saying that we're blind? And this is where this whole story picks up with in John chapter 10. You need to understand that context. That's very important. A man has been excommunicated from the family of Israel, from the family of God, from the synagogue. You're a sinner, get away from us. Jesus heals the blind man. He says, watch out, there are people who are blinded, but they think they see. And the Pharisee goes, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying we got this wrong? You're saying that we are blinded because we are the gatekeepers to righteousness. People come in and out of the synagogue based on what we believe that they are right before God because we know the Torah. We know the Bible. We know the Old Testament. We know what God wants. So we stand with that authority as the gatekeepers. And it's with that, Jesus goes into John chapter 10. Now, if you've been around Better Life Church any amount of time, you know that John 10 is our, ver that's our chapter, y'all. Like, that's Better Life Church's it's, 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 it's verse, it's chapter, it's where we hold to, it's what we named our church off of. This is where we get the mission, the vision of Better Life Church right here out of John 10.10. 10. And so Jesus, remember, some of the Pharisees says, do you think that we're blind? And I want you to hear what Jesus says back to them. Verse one. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognizes his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathers his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. And they will not or they won't follow a stranger they will run from him because they don't know his voice. And going on to verse six, it says they had no idea what this means. Well, in the context, you gotta think about this. In the context, there's two ways that shepherd would take care of sheep. One, there was this rock, like, like think of a rock fence, or sometimes a cave, sometimes it's just four or five stones stacked up on top of each other and it makes like a, a arch or a U or a circle and there's a little bitty entrance to the, to, to the sheep pen. And the sheep would go inside, they would lay down, and the shepherd would lay in front of the entrance. We're gonna talk about being the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and he says, I am the shepherd, next week. This is, this is actually part one of part two in the series. And the, and the shepherd would lay at the entrance. Now, thieves would come and try to climb over the rock, steal the sheep. Wolves would try to come and attack it, but they couldn't get in because the shepherd laid in the entrance to protect the sheep. That's one way that they took care of sheep. The other one was kind of a community uh, sheep pen, if you would say. You have sheep, you have sheep, you have sheep, I have sheep, we have a bunch of them, don't have a place to put them, and so there's kind of like a sheep daycare, okay? Come on now, follow with me, right? There's this big old pen, and they would leave the sheep, and the shepherd would be the gatekeeper. If I walked up and said, I'm ready to get my sheep, the shepherd then would open up the gate for me, and then I would step into the sheep pen, and watch this, I would call my sheep by name. I would call them to come, and they would follow me because they know my voice. 
if you stepped into the sheep pen and tried to call my sheep, they're going to like, you're a bad boy. You know what I'm saying? They ain't coming. I'm sorry. I know it's bad. Just follow along with me. That's bad. That's bad. They're not coming after you. Why? They don't know your voice. Now, you got to understand in the picture here, Jesus, like Pharisees, you think you're the gatekeeper. You think you can tell God's flock when they can come and when they can come out. You think you can let them in and let them out based on your righteousness. You think you're the shepherd. You think you're the gatekeeper. In fact, you actually are thieves and you're robbers. You're trying to steal the family of Israel, of God, out. You're leading people astray. Remember, they excommunicated the blind person. You've got to put this in context to understand what Jesus is trying to say. And he says, there's a gate. There's a gatekeeper. There's a shepherd to protect. They're the one that has the right to go. And if you really want to get really nitpicky, the sheep really hear the shepherd's voice. And if you would hear my voice, you would know I'm the shepherd, and you would know who my Father in heaven is, and you would know, just like I said, I am the light, I am the bread. We talked about this, Yahweh. You would recognize my voice, but you don't recognize my voice because you are blinded. You are blinded. Yes, he was blinded physically, but you are blinded spiritually, and you do not see me. Verse six those who heard Jesus use this illustration did not understand what this meant. So Jesus explained, and here it is, here it is, here it is, look what it says. I tell you the truth. I am the gate. I'm the gate. I'm the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but true sheep do not listen to them. I am the gate. So what do we learn real quickly about the gate? Here's something we learn about the gate. One, the gate is a person. The gate is a person, and the person's name is Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the gate to the sheep pen. If you wanna get into the family of God, if you wanna be part of the family, it's not Abraham, not Moses, all this stuff, I am the one. I'm the gate that lets the sheep in. I'm the only one who can render judgment to say you're a total sinner or you're not, that you're saved or that you're lost. I am him. You have tried to play God, Pharisees. I am God. Emo, ego, emo, emi, emi, ego, emi. I am God. I'm Yahweh the gate. I'm the one. And all of a sudden, the, the Pharisees, you know, they fell back. They couldn't believe he makes this statement. He goes, I am the gate. But listen, not only does he the gate, but this makes, this gate is a great, wonderful proposal. Jesus gives us a wonderful proposal for everyone watching online, listen at one of our campuses, listen to this proposal. And John 10, verse nine, those who come through me, if you'll come through this gate, you will be saved. And you may be saved. What do you mean be saved? You've heard people say all the time, hey, I got saved, or so-and-so was saved. Would you know what's saved from what? What have you been saved from? And why did you even need saving? And if you see this proposal that Jesus says, if you will come through this gate, whether you're blind, <laughs> whether you think you're righteous, whether you're a total sinner or you think you've got it going on. But if you'll come through this gate, you will be saved. And when you ask the question, what will I be saved from? Watch this. You will be saved, one, from the penalty of sin. And you know what Paul says the penalty of sin is? Death. You may die, you will die physically, but you will also die spiritually if you die in your sin. You wanna come through this gate, watch this. You wanna be part of the sheep, the family, the flock of God, I'm the gate. There's not multiple gates that lead to multiple places, not this God and, and this tomb and this person you worship and this, I'm the gate. And some people ask, well, why are you 
so narrow-minded that Jesus is the only way. God made it so narrow so we wouldn't miss it. So that we all know that's it, that's the one, that's the way. And Jesus, watch this, I didn't claim that, he claimed it, I am the gate. There's the penalty of sin, but watch this. He says, if you come through me, I will give you power over sin. Sin will no longer be your master. Sin will no longer have to control you. You have the power to say no to your addiction now. You have the power to say no that I'm not gonna look at her anymore. You have the power to turn your head. You have the power to forgive. You have the power not to gossip. You have the power not to become angered and, and, and bitter anymore. You have the power. So if you'll come through this gate, I will give you all the power that you need. And no longer you have the penalty of sin. No longer will you be under the power, the domain of sin anymore. And then someday, this was really good, and someday you'll be taken away from the presence of sin. Is that not amazing? No more cancer. No more losing loved ones. No more tears. No more arguing. No more kids going to sleep without mommy or daddy anymore. Imagine that the presence of sin will be gone. No more sin. Jesus, I am that gate. And I'm the one who has the power to exercise judgment. Not you, Pharisees. You are the ones who are blinded. But see, listen, we can throw stones at the Pharisees right now going, oh, shame on the Pharisees. But watch this, we do the same thing. How many times you pick up stones and you judge people around you? You think their sin is not as bad as your sin. Well, at least I don't sin like them. And you start talking about other people and you start judging other people. Well, I can't believe they, well, I can't believe that they're in church. They went, what? And you begin to judge, you become just like the Pharisees. In fact, you try to become God. Because now you think you're the gatekeeper of righteousness. When every one of us who've been forgiven of our sins, we should thank God every single day that he has forgiven us and has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. This gate is a person. This gate has a beautiful thing that gives you power over sin and the rid of the penalty of sin and someday the presence of sin will be gone. But let me tell you something else about this gate. This gate's a promise. It's a promise to every single one of us. In John 10, 9, it says, they will come and go freely and they will find good pastures. Now, as we pick up in John chapter 10, verse 11 next week, when Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, we'll talk about that and how he lets his sheep go out in green pastures. And what does it even mean where we can find rest and rejoice and, and refreshment in him? We'll talk about that next week. Again, this is like part one of or part two. But then we get to John 10, 10. And this is our verse. This is our verse as a family. This is our verse as the community of faith here at Better Life Church. John 10, 10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Two meanings here, obviously. One, he's talking to the Pharisees. Put it in context. Pharisees, you're a thief. You're trying to lead people astray by excommunicating them from the synagogue by thinking he's born total sinner. You know why he was born this way? He was born this way for this point, for this day, so the power of God could be displayed in his life so that hopefully you would believe. That's why. And you're robbing and you're lying to people, and you're a thief. You're climbing over the rocks trying to steal from the pen. There's another thing. Remember Jesus told him that you're like your father, your father's the devil, well the devil's a thief, and the devil hates you, and the devil's gonna do everything he can to destroy you. 
He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your health. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy between parents and children. He wants to destroy between coworkers and boss. He's going to do everything he can to destroy. He hates you. Knowing that you have an enemy out there that hates you that bad, what's your game plan? How do you protect your marriage? How do you protect your purity? How do you protect your testimony? How do you do that? Because he hates you. See, a lot of times you think it's him, it's them, it's, it's that person, it's that. No, no, no. He hates you. He hates nations among nations. He hates politics. He wants to do everything he can to bring the division across nations or world. He wants to do everything he can to turn the world against Israel, and someday it will. He hates it. And we watch all these things like, ah, it's just coincidence. It is not coincidence. You have, a, you have someone who roars around looking to destroy your marriage, destroy your life. Jesus said, that's a thief but I'm the gate. And you'll find out I'm also the gatekeeper. We'll look about that next week. I'm the gate. And if you'll come through me, guess what? I'm gonna protect you. But if you'll come through me, look what he goes on and says in John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. But my purpose, if you'll come through this gate, is to give you a rich and satisfying. That's a fulfillment, not rich as in prosperity. It's a fulfillment. I'm gonna give you a rich a meaningful, a real, a satisfying life, a full life, an abundant life. The message paraphrase says a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And it was at that moment that that became the verse of our church, the mission of our church is we want to help you listen to the shepherd's voice. As you hear his voice, you will follow him. And as you follow Jesus, watch this, he would ultimately give you an abundant life, a full life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. Listen, the better life is not the absence of pain. The better life is Jesus walking with you through your pain. See, this is what I like to say about the better life. The better life is past, it's present, and it's future. Past, watch this, all your sins forgiven. If all that Jesus does is cancel out my sin and guarantee me heaven, no matter what happens on earth, that makes my life better. All my sins forgiven. Present. Now, every day, I have a purpose for living. He gives me a purpose. Every day when I wake up, if I have breath, I have a purpose. And I don't wanna waste that because life is short. And when my purpose is finished, and when your purpose is finished, you will breathe your last breath. Don't waste it. The better life is this, my past is forgiven. Today, I have a purpose for living. And then like I said a while ago, and this is future, and someday, I have a home in heaven. That my name has been written in that great Lamb's book of life. And every single moment, every day, and and thinking about church and preaching on Sunday morning, at the end of the day, my heart, your pastor's heart, is to get as many names as we can written in that book of life. That's the better life. Some of you right now, you're like, well, my life is not good. It's tough. My marriage, my finances, my health, you fill in the blank. Jesus says you will have tough times. In fact, he promises you'll have trouble in this world. 
but I've overcome it. So knowing that he's overcome it, how can I lean in on the him who's with me to know that I will overcome this and that I will get through this? See, don't be blinded. There's multiple doors. Don't be blinded. There's a lot of people who want to judge other people's sin. Jesus went to the blind man, healed him, and he says, whoa, whoa, I'm the only one who can render judgment. And if you watch the progression in John chapter 9, hey, went from a person to a man to a prophet to the Son of God to, to God to He is the Messiah. It's amazing how He progressively went through. And then ultimately says, you are the Son of God. And ultimately, that's where we want you to be. And your eyes would be open spiritually and you would say, I was once blind, but now I see. I'm gonna ask you, but just for a moment, just to bow your heads. If you're watching online or if you're here this morning or one of our locations, catching this on a podcast or streaming on Facebook, wherever you, wherever you are right now, couple things. One, if you're part of the family of God, you've walked through that gate, you've given your life to Jesus, I hope and pray today that through the preaching of His Word has edified you, has built you up, actually hasn't encouraged you. Maybe you've had a bad week, a down week, or maybe this week has been tough or the week coming is going to be tough, and you just need to be reminded of that He's the gate. You've walked through that gate, and because of that, you can experience a full life, a satisfying life a better life, that your past has forgiven, you have a purpose for living, and someday you'll have a home in heaven. Is that not amazing? Now I pray that the Holy Spirit would use that to speak into your life. Second is, if you are here listening, watching, and you know about the gate, but you never walked through it, your translation may say door. You've never walked through the door. Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the only door. There are multiple doors. And so many people try to find satisfaction going through certain doors. Jesus, I'm the one who will satisfy you. I'm the one who will never lead you astray. I'm the only one who has the power to forgive you of your sins and adopt you into the sheep pen, into the family of God, till you become the flock. And my prayer is today that you would walk through that door, no matter where you're at, where you listen to this or watching this. And all you need to do is cry out, to Jesus. A prayer doesn't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And today, if your heart declares, Jesus is the door. He is the gate. He's exactly who he says he is. Then right where you are, you can pray out to him and just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. and to come into my life and help me listen to your voice and follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. And someday, when you take me home, I'll be free from the presence of sin. 
if that's you and you've cried out to the Lord, first of all, we wanna rejoice with you. Host is gonna come out just a moment or maybe in our chat, just put it in the chat below and just say, hey, today I gave my life to Jesus. We're gonna give you a number that you can text so that we can send you some resources. Why? Because our mission is to help you hear the shepherd's voice, follow him so you can experience an abundant life, a better life you've ever dreamed of. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you how relevant it is today. Jesus, thank you for being the gate, the door. Thank you for accepting sinners like us into the family. Thank you that whoever confesses and calls on your name will be saved. Thank you for your word is so true and so powerful that you are the great I am, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the gate to the Father. And so we thank you for who you are. And we thank you in advance for how you're gonna provide for every single one of us the future that you already know. May we just have the faith and the courage to trust you and listen to your voice and walk with you every single day. For your name we ask and we pray.